0: One of the exciting things to me in growing up in the Word, I remember as a young man uh, that I knew so much of the Bible. My mom and dad were great Bible teachers. They operated in miracles. I I regularly heard about or witnessed God doing miracles in lives through my parents. And so I had just the greatest upbringing. But in my early, as a single man, before I got married and and was, was just, you know, got a Hunger for God this one year something just happened to me and I began to rise up and I recognized that there were things I had to do that grace and faith God's grace is you know what he does but faith is my part in what I do and faith without works is dead so what are the works I needed to do to rise up and to move in this tremendous power of Holy Spirit and you and I both need to know that in the Old Testament, we hear a lot about God, Jehovah, God, and the names of God. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, mainly we see Jesus in a physical body, uh, walking and ministering. But from the book of Acts and on, this is the time of Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about this because too many born-again people... Uh, have have just kind of left out an entirely crucial part of their lives as a as a believer, or they've dabbled into it, received the infilling of the Spirit, been baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of praying in other tongues, but have never moved beyond that experience. And so today, I want to talk a little bit about going beyond where most believers are. There's a, a, a term uh, that a friend of mine, Jack Whitesell, and I coined together as we looked at what God was doing in Springs Church. And we, we thought, okay, this you can't really call this just charismatic. You can't really call this even the Pentecostal. Uh, what is this? Because it was so cool, and it, and it just helped people in every area of life, but it was contemporary, and it was real, and it wasn't religious, and it wasn't, uh, it, it was just something that attracted people uh, when they began to flow in, in the presence of God. And so we called it spirit contemporary, being spiritually alive, filled with the Spirit, and then as you function in the move of the Spirit, you could do it in a contemporary way, which in most which in most cases is your ability to sense and listen to Holy Spirit's direction even better, because Holy Spirit is the most contemporary, relevant, knows how to touch a person in a second through their way of thinking, their way of understanding, etc. And so today we're going to, I'm going to go a little deeper in this and it's something that rocked my world. It didn't just change, it rocked it uh, because I was working in a hospital and I was around so many people. Uh, Hurting people, dying, pain, heartache, fear, uh, mental illness, on and on the list goes, and as a young man raised in a wonderful home, in a wonderful church, with wonderful friends, it was an eye-opening to me to see the stunning needs of the people that were around me. And that's when I began to cry out to God and saying, God, what can I do? I know I have a lot of knowledge about the gifts of the Spirit. I have a lot of, uh, I know what should happen and I know what's supposed to happen, but how can I begin to do that? And so I begin to recognize there's a part that God plays that I have nothing to do with. I just need to believe that. And there are things that I need to do. And, and there's things that we teach a lot in our church. Like, I needed to renew my mind with the Word of God so that I knew what Jesus did, especially because most of the New Testament is showing us what Jesus did for us when his death, his burial, his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of the father and so to believe in those things and to renew your mind with it then i recognized that i had to establish my heart in grace that my heart was where my deepest beliefs about me were that there are boundaries around me i there's a ceiling i keep hitting my head against there's i can't get past this fence line in the area of healing in the area of prosperity in the area of happiness and joy who made that fence line well it's deep-seated beliefs that the Bible calls the heart, that subconscious area that my parents, my upbringing, hurts, heartaches, things I've thought through with my own mind have created boundaries that Holy Spirit and his word wanted to help me push past those boundaries into realms I had never seen function before. There are many of you listening to me today that that you know what the Word says, and you and you can say, that's awesome, but you have not been able to function in that. You have not been able to see God begin to heal your body. You've not seen God bring such joy that there is a song in your heart and a, and a dance in your step. There's not a peace that passes understanding. There's, there's, you've not seen this, and you seem to be in a fenced in pasture and you can never get out and you've eaten all the grass within this pasture but the fence line stops you from moving path those are boundaries and the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 that guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life are the forces of life and that Hebrew word has a third meaning are the boundaries of life and so every person has boundaries that have been preset by your deepest beliefs. Now, those deepest beliefs can come from parents, upbringing, school, heartache, abuse, brokenness, thinking things through, unforgiveness, anger. They all create these boundaries that in areas of your life, you can't get by. And so the Bible teaches us that when this happens, that you need to recognize you're not bearing fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit in that area, which is results, if you're not getting results in an area the word promises you, then you need to do heart work. You need to begin to dive into his word, trust his spirit. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is so alive, it'll deal with the intentions and the thoughts of your heart, these deep, deep beliefs. So when I begin to get excited about ministering to people, I begin to recognize the role of staying filled with the Spirit. That in the New Testament, whenever we begin to see miracles and the people begin to gather and, and honor God and worship God together, people who were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Spirit again and again. And later on, you'll find that whenever the the disciples were being talked about, when they did a miracle, it would say often, and Peter, filled with the Spirit, and -and so-and-so, full of the Holy Spirit, did this, did that. And it's something that we have moved away from in Christianity, is that for you to get greater results than you personally have ever got before in your life, you will need to recognize that you need to stay filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 6 teaches us that, that be being filled. It literally says be continuously focused on being filled with the Spirit. Make sure this reliance, this enjoyment, this praying in the Spirit, this keeping yourself bubbling over so that it the healing power of God's bubbling over, the peace, the joy of God's bubbling, you can keep this flowing. Now, when God... When God sent Jesus to die on the cross, Jesus sent Holy Spirit uh, to literally dwell in our hearts. I mean, it's three persons, one God. Um, we need to recognize that there's a part that we have to play. And I've often said that Holy Spirit is called our helper. We keep thinking that he is the one that does everything and we just follow along. No, that's not looking accurate at me. He is our helper. Now he guides us, leads us, keeps us filled and full and helps us in so many ways. But the, initi- the initiative to get up and begin to say, okay, I'm going to believe God for this. I'm going to go to whole new areas in my marriage, my home, my physical health, in the church. I want to witness and share Jesus with people in a way that is so cool and natural, but anointed by the power of God, these are things that you and I need to do. I love Jude 20. It says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are right now in situations that seem to be bringing fear and heartache and brokenness and, and, and depression and whatever into your, is into your life, that means you are not filled with the Spirit. Let's take a look at what being filled with the Spirit looks like in Ephesians 6. Uh, it teaches us that there's a song in your heart that you're singing. You're so submissive to the brothers and sisters around you, meaning you love working together in relationship. You're not alone. You're not a loner. People who want to be alone and not with people, that, that there's not a filling of the Spirit there where they're maintaining that. It's easier to protect yourself and build walls around yourself and stay away from people who might hurt you or who have experienced expectations on you. Um, And so we can look at this and know that the fruit of our lives should be like Jesus walking amongst the people. Yes, he got away to, you know, pray, spend time with the Father, to enjoy, whatever. But he'd always be out amongst the people because that's his purpose and his focus. And so praying in the Spirit, the Bible says, builds us up on our most holy faith. Now, Jesus said in John ten ten, and everyone knows the verse, but doesn't understand what he's saying. It says that I have come, I am come, that they might have life. Now, in order to accurately represent that to you, the word life means what? I mean, dogs have a certain life, cats have a certain life, humans have a certain life, and God has a certain kind of life. Well, this word life means zoe life, the life of the person giving it, so Jesus, I'm coming that you could have my life. You could have this overflowing, stunning, powerful, amazing life of Jesus and that you could have it into abundance more than you need so that it gets all over other people. If you do not maintain this spirit-filled life, then you go back to living on your own energy. Energy. Now, let's talk about the, the presence of God. The, you, you, it's not just energy. It, it's Holy Spirit himself who's within us. But he brings an energy, a flow. Now, in the Bible, there's some interesting things that take place. For example, the Bible says that one of the old prophets, Elisha, that he had died, he had been buried, and one day, you know, there was nothing left of him but bones. This is years and years and years later. There's a battle going on. And these soldiers had one of their comrades had died, and they're running from the enemy. So they took him and apparently they pushed him into this cave, this burial hole where the bones of Elisha were. And so his body hit those bones, and they ran off, thinking they'd taken care of their dead friend, and then all of a sudden they turn around, and he's running behind them. The Bible says that the bones of, uh, of this prophet had touched him and brought life back to him. Isn't that interesting? You say, well, Leon, why did that happen? It's beginning to show us that the presence of God has substance. It's, it's not just a nothing, but the presence of God, it affects human things, It affects the physical world. The presence of God affects the mental world. It affects uh, every area of your life. And we have other examples of things that hold on to God's presence. So his bones held on to the presence of God. Well, then we have Jesus where he was walking and a widow woman crawled on her hands and knees, and she just said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She touched the hem of his garment, and her believing, it says, virtue left Jesus. He felt it, sensed it, turned around and said, who touched me when lots of people were touching him? And Peter said that, what do you mean? There's a crowd, everyone's touching you. No, and he looked and he knew who it was because she could sense the healing in her body. So Jesus clothes, actually, held uh, this this presence of God, this whatever you want to call it. Some call it an anointing. Some call it the presence of God. But there is a, a residual. The presence of God has an effect on the physical world. And she was completely healed. And Jesus said that her faith did that. In other words, the presence of God was there upon his body, um, upon his clothes. Later on, we see examples of Paul who was preaching. And it says that the women would bring a And then he would hold them. He would touch them. uh, It Actually shows like putting them against his body while he was ministering in handkerchiefs. And then they would take that and they would go lay it on people that couldn't make it to the services and they would be healed. Um, If they were oppressed by demonic spirits, they would leave them and they would have miracles. So this presence of God, this beautiful, uh, it has, it leaves a residual effect of healing. It brings the life of God. This Zoe life of God seems to have an effect on the physical body. Now, if you th- remember uh, when Moses went up the mountain and he came back down, they made him put a sack over his face because his face was so bright uh, they could hardly look at him. It had an effect on skin, it had an effect on his body. Uh, then you take a look at um, Jesus when it says that they looked at him and that's when uh, he met with Two men from heaven in this transfiguration. And there, his shone, he shone so bright, his face, his clothes. It just had an amazing impact. And so I want you to understand that this is not just some kind of a mind game that we're dealing with. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As we begin to believe God, this zoe life of God, it stays and it resides. It just begins to flow in our physical bodies. It begins to touch the very uh, nerves and the, um, you know, the structure, the molecular structure of our body. And so I want to I just share with you that you and I need to recognize that this flow of the Spirit of God, okay, is within us. Now, in the Old Testament, it wasn't. It was in heaven and it would come upon them and it would help them. But it is within us and upon us. And so, this infilling and this being full of Holy Spirit, uh, And him being around us, in front of us, behind us, that it it makes your body ready for service. It has an effect on business. It it begins to flow out. The Bible says another thing about this this presence is that if you enter a house and you're going to have a meal or you're going to stay or you're going to preach or whatever you're going to do, he taught his disciples when you enter a house, say, peace be on this house. And the peace that is on you will permeate that house an actual force a substance the life of God would reside in that house and I see that all the time I don't know how how many people uh, have said to me or my parents or my wife, you know, there was a neighbor one time that uh, came over and she just wouldn't leave our house. She had two wonderful kids and a wonderful lady, didn't know Jesus, and she just stayed there all day, every day, and finally just told Sally that there's such peace and joy in this house. I see it affecting your kids. I see it affect your husband. I see it affecting you. It's how you look at each other, touch each other, it's it's the kids. I don't have this and I want it. So she gave her life to Christ, came to church. Then her kids were changed so dramatically, and they were were just little things, like just early grade school. I don't know what it was, grade one and grade three, or kindergarten and grade three. And the dad, uh, you know, who had his own struggles, saw his kids coming home, and, and there was such peace and joy about them, he had to have a chat with me. And he said, what is happening to my kids? I can't believe this, let alone my kids, my wife. And so I taught him about Jesus this presence of god it touches emotions the presence of god touches the physical body it touches brain cells it affects behavior and actions etc and then he came and made a decision for christ if we as christians do not get back to to, to flowing in holy spirit staying filled with the spirit we are going to be so short changed when it comes to seeing the miraculous. In Isaiah 35, four to six, it's talking here and it's prophesying about this time of of the or in today from from the time of the day of pentecost and on these last 2000 years are called the end times the latter days and it says here that blind eyes will see again deaf ears will hear again crippled people will jump and leap like deer and those who can't walk now, uh, who can't talk? The tongue of the mute will shout with joy. Wa- now, listen to this: Water will flow and burst forth in the desert, the wilderness, and streams will flow in the dry lands. Now, it's talking here, but what Jesus mentioned in in John seven that yes, that you know, when, when we're saved, Holy Spirit within is like a well of fresh water. All we always have access to it. But then in John 7, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. and These rivers of living water is the flow of Holy Spirit in your life. And so my challenge to you is don't just stop at the born-again experience where you're forgiven, you get to go to heaven, and you can pray and beg and plead with God, you know, as you make it through this life of woe, you know, and um, I'm, I'm satisfied, like the old songs, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver, a little gold, but one day, and that's not true, that the kingdom of God that is, uh, is in heaven, but it's also here. We are in the kingdom of God even now on this planet if we are born again. And so now as you look at the word of God, us functioning in faith, the Old Testament, they believed you know, the words of an angel that God would bring. When God would appear, he'd send an angel to bring his message, and they had to believe in that message, and great men and women did, and did miracles. Then in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they would look at Jesus, and whatever Jesus said, they would do. His mother said, do whatever he says. So when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, they would. When he said to a layman, man, get up, he would. When he said to his disciples, and he laid hands on them, you go lay hands on people, that you would believe in the words of Jesus, the physical, historical Jesus. Then... When Jesus died and rose again, what is our faith anchored in? Our faith is anchored in the words that are spoken to us in the Bible that teach us that now that Jesus has died in our place, took the curse, the punishment, went to hell in our place, rose again uh, and gave us new life and exchanged our old awful life for his stunning life, that it's now within us. And this life, so we must believe and the finished work of the cross. We must believe in Jesus. The Bible teaches us in Galatians 2.20, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and Gave himself for me. Our faith has to be in the resurrected Jesus and how much he loves us. And so that's why he took my place. And as we begin to look at this new covenant, which so few Christians seem to do as I travel and minister and even in our own church as people come in, they just tend to stop short from entering in and getting filled with the Spirit and then staying full of the Spirit. And so we need to recognize that. All through the word, did you know that he who prays in that heavenly language, it says, speaks mysteries to God. He is edifying himself, charging himself up. Charging what? everything your health charges up your joy charges up your peace charges up i mean your abilities to see and to know and to grow up and to mature charges up when you pray in the spirit when when you begin to trust holy spirit and you get to know him and fellowship with him and maintain a spirit filled life there is a life that few have entered into because they have not maintained that spirit filled life Father, I pray right now that you would touch people. I pray that, Father, they would make a decision for those who haven't to say, Jesus, come into my heart. I give my life to you from today and on. I'm following you as my Lord and Savior. Just pray that right now. Jesus, come into my heart. I choose you as my Lord and Savior. And then keep coming out to church. He will honor those words. He comes into your life. You are born again. The old Jew is dead. Now we want you to move forward into the incredible inheritance that God has for you. Praise the Lord.